they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone has filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thanks, Season. Now, do you want to pray for me or shall I pray for you? Um, I can pray for you. All right. Good. Thank you. Um, I need it. Lord, I bless bless James as he brings the word this morning and that um, through him you would bless every one of us in this room and that those who would need to receive it would receive it. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ethan. Well, I'd like to start by sharing with you just a, uh, a bit of St. Paul Union Church trivia that I'm sure will surprise you. The first uh, baptisms that occurred in the St. Paul Union Church were prompted, believe it or not, by a Turkish businessman, a Muslim no less, Not long after we found this church in 1996 uh, and began meeting regularly in the Kehan Hotel, or what was back then the Kushlahan Hotel, uh, I got a call one day from a man named Hassan Akinjiolu, who's the founder and owner of uh, Aunt Marine, a very large company here in Antalya. And... uh, he said to me, uh, you know, is this the Reverend Boltema? And I said, no, this is James. And uh, that, of course, got us off to a great start. <laughs> but um, you see, Antalya used to be a destination, uh, not a destination as much as a kind of a, a way stop for <clears throat> ships, military ships that were in the area, special, especially from the United States and from England. And these military ships would moor here for a few days or weeks at a time. And uh, Hassan Akunjiolu and his company, Aunt Marine, would serve these ships in all kinds of ways, would provide uh, travel, both uh, short-term travel, uh, uh, short-distance travel to land, for example, or while on land, travel to the city and back. Uh, He would uh, give lists of recommendations of places to go and eat and things to do. He would organize trips for them on land while they were here. And so uh, however uh, Hassan could serve these uh, military personnel, uh, he would do it. However, one day, uh, Hassan got a call, apparently, from uh, a chaplain from an Air Force, pardon me, an aircraft carrier. And uh, as I understand, this chaplain asked Hassan uh, if there was a church in Antalya to which he and some other uh, servicemen would and women could go and worship. 
Not only that, he said to Hassan, that, uh, by the way, we also need to have some baptisms. And my practice as chaplain of the ship is to always have these baptisms in the context of a local church and to have the pastor of that church involved in the baptisms so that uh, it's done, he believed, in a more biblical way. Well, Hassan didn't know what to say. He didn't know of any church in Antalya at the time, but being a resourceful man that he is, he, he eventually uh, got a hold of me and uh, asked if, number one, I would be willing to take in these visitors from this aircraft carrier, and number two, uh, if uh, we could, I could arrange a baptism service for uh, those that needed to be baptized. And I said, sure, you know, <laughs> not quite knowing how we would pull this off. Uh, I uh, went to work meeting with the general manager of the Kushlahan Hotel, which again, today is the Kehan Hotel, and uh, made an arrangement whereby we could have uh, these baptisms in their swimming pool, which you may not know it, but there's a, a swimming pool on the top of the Kehan Hotel. And uh, that's where we had baptisms. I think there were 11 baptisms that uh, the chaplains, there were two chaplains and I performed. And uh, the date was, I found a, a guest book that uh, we had just received, and they were the first ones to write in it. But it says, Visitation from the USS Wasp. Wasp, 12th of June, 1998. Chaplain Michael W. Gore, Chaplain Tony Dean, and then there's a whole list of others that, after that service, came to our home for dinner. Now, this is our previous home, our first home here in Antalya, which we lived in until 1998. It was a much smaller home, and it was packed with these servicemen. And despite the fact that Renata had a five-month-old bundle of needs, and Joy in Talia at the time, and our other two children, uh, well, uh, you know, our other two children thought these guests were the coolest guests that we had ever had, but uh, we had uh, quite a time in our home, and that, uh, that, that, those were the first baptisms of the St. Paul Union Church, thanks to Hassan Akinjiolu. Well, this uh, <clears throat> Hassan actually extended several extraordinary opportunities to me in that season of uh, our church's history. Uh, for example, he, he set up one, a dinner one Sunday, I don't know what day of the week, I think it was a Saturday, uh, with uh, a USS admiral of a, of a U.S. fleet the Sixth Fleet, Renata remembers, and how and why I got invited to this dinner, I'll never know. But uh, again, it was thanks to Hassan Akinjiolu. And one day I asked Hassan, we developed quite a friendship. It makes me want to get in touch with him again. But one day I asked Hassan, you know, you work with a lot of ships. And uh, actually I said, you know, the church in history has often been likened to ships, or to a ship. And in response, he said, oh, really? And then being the 
kind of the ship enthusiast that he is, uh, he added a question of his own. He said, what kind of a ship? And that's something I had never thought of before. I'm sure Vic probably has. But that's the question that I'd like to extend to you today. What kind of a ship do you think the church is or is most likened to? Now, some of you might say, oh, well, probably a military ship. After all, uh, you know, our struggle is, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we must put on the full armor of God and fight the good fight. It's very understandable that we might think of the church as a kind of military vessel uh, on which we are all aboard. We might say we are comrades aboard this military ship, waging war against the spiritual forces that would otherwise do us in. We had a former St. Paul Union Church member named Carol Essen, whom I'm sure a couple here will remember. And she used to say to me, you know, James, can we please sing that old hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers? She wanted so much to sing that hymn. And I said to her, you know, uh, Carolyn, I, I mean, not Carolyn, Carol, I said, you know, I'll gladly sing that hymn with you in the context of your home or in the context of my home. But, you know, really, that hymn, it's probably not the best hymn to sing in the context of one of our church services because we so often, especially in those days, had Muslim visitors. And I said, they just might get, you know, the wrong idea. Well, there, uh, there is certainly some degree of analogy between a military ship and a soldierly church. I mean, to be sure, there are the analogies. Um, you know, there is that injunction as well in Jude chapter 3, you know, for us to contend for the faith. That's a fighting term. You know, that's a, that's a, a term of struggle. And the fact is that we, as Christ's church, uh, there is a, an aggressive and a warring side to the Christian life, but we are about a lot more than aggression and war. And so this analogy of a military ship, I don't think is the best one, and I think you all here would, would agree. Our considerations and our actions are much more than just militaristic. At least I hope they are. Well, if not a military ship, perhaps the church is more like a cruise ship, one that's going from an earthly destination to a heavenly one. Uh, the metal frame chairs upon which you sit here in the St. Paul Cultural Center are really spiritual deck chairs. If you can imagine them as such, you close your eyes and you can almost feel the breeze in your face and the sun on your skin. And if you get bored with the sermon, you can imagine an exotic drink in your hand and 
caffeinated, you know, which you can pretend to sip every now and then to help keep you awake. And when the worship service is finished, you go and play or nap or watch a movie because after all, church life is just a journey, you think, from earth to heaven, which may as well be enjoyed. Well, no small number of self-described Christians around the world unfortunately have that kind of an understanding of church life. I would hope that we would all agree that such an understanding of the church is not just inadequate, but is even an outright insult to Christ who loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy and to make her work, carrying each other's burdens, loving one another, doing good, doing good for all people, and especially for those who belong to the family of believers, thereby fulfilling the law of Christ. So, no, the church shouldn't be likened to a cruise ship that simply bears believers to the seaport of heaven. If Hassan Akunjiolu were to ask me today, James, what kind of a ship do you think the church could best be likened to? I would say in response to him, Hassan, I think the church, even the St. Paul Union Church, is best likened to one of your ships. And then I would direct him to Aunt Marine's website, which reads, if you go online, I went there yesterday, which reads this. This is one of the heading statements on his website. Aunt Marine tugboats and marine crafts have successfully conducted many rescue, search, and salvage operations, saving many lives, assets, and the environment. The St. Paul Union Church, Hassan, is like one of your tugboats. Indeed, the St. Paul Union Church tugboat serves Antalya, conducting search, rescue, and salvage operations for the sake of Christ the King and because lives matter to God. Amen? However, I readily admit that even this metaphor of a tugboat only goes so far in helping one to better understand the church. And so we must go to Scripture instead for a fuller description of what a church ought to be like and in which activities church members ought to be engaged. And Acts 2 verses 42 through 47 is a wonderful summary passage regarding the life of of the earliest church. Mind you, it's, it's an idealized passage. Later in Acts, we encounter problems, all kinds of problems that the early church faced. And we realize that it wasn't all uh, rosy by any means. And in fact, if we would go beyond Acts and read some of Paul's letters to churches that are mentioned in Acts, 
we would really gain an appreciation for struggles that the early church faced, difficulties, all kinds of problems, and how Paul and other apostles dealt with those problems. But here in Acts 2, 42 through 47, the youthful, spirit-filled church of Jerusalem is described at its best. And because it is, we can grow in our understanding of what God desires for the St. Paul Union Church. First, God desires that the St. Paul Union Church be a learning church. A learning church. In verse 42, we read, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, but we'll talk about those in a few minutes. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In the Greek, that verb is actually continuous. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. And that word, that Greek word, has already show, showed up in Acts, back in chapter 1, verse 14, where we read, they all, that is, they being the apostles, all joined together constantly in prayer. That word constantly is the same word as devotedly, or they were devoting themselves to. So these apostles, they were devoting themselves uh, to prayer. And it's from these apostles that uh, the earliest Christians um, learned. They had a teachable attitude toward these Apostles, they sat at these apostles' feet and they uh, just gobbled up uh, the teaching that they had to share because they had been with Jesus. They learned directly from Jesus, and the people knew this and were more than ready to learn from them. Are there such apostles in the church today at whose feet? Uh, we can sit and learn? Some think so. Uh, in fact, I remember, again, this same time period when we were still in our first home here, we had a, a group from Texas come, and they spent several weeks with us. And again, we had them over for dinner uh, one evening. And I remember uh, they were very... Um, uh, well, let me just say, one of the women in the group said to me, uh, I am an apostle. And I had never heard uh, a fellow believer declare that before, a, sa- a statement such as that. And um, in, in my understanding, uh, there are no apostles today in the church as Peter, Paul, and John, and uh, the others of the original apostles uh, were. There may be apostolic teaching and apostolic ministries. We could certainly uh, use that as an adjective to describe various uh, ministries and teaching that reflect the apostles' teaching in Scripture. But uh, these original apostles were uh, so defined and described because of their presence with Jesus. 
or because they were part of the circle of apostles, as were Mark and Luke, who may have never met Jesus personally, but were part of that group and who therefore have uh, books of Scripture attributed to them. But uh, if there were such apostles today on par with Peter, John, and Paul, and the others, uh, we would have to really make room for their teaching to be on par with Scripture itself and for their perhaps new revelations that would come through them to also be uh, on par with Scripture. And so today, uh, really, the apostolic teaching that is referred to in this verse is what is contained in the pages of our New Testament. And we need to, uh, to remember that and certainly not uh, dishonor or discredit those who are uh, teachers and preachers who uh, perhaps uh, refer to their teaching as apostolic. Uh, that's fine, but we need to keep things in proper uh, order and perspective here. And uh, an example of apostolic teaching would be in verses 23 and 24 of Acts chapter 2. This man, uh, says Peter, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him up from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. As an eyewitness, Peter delivered this sermon and this information about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the kind of content of apostolic teaching, which elsewhere is called kerygma in Greek. Well, a similar comment should also be made about verse 43 where we read, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Again, while we must acknowledge that God still does perform wonders and signs and miracles today, according to his will, and often in response to our prayers, the prayers of his people, uh, we shouldn't expect ourselves or anyone to exhibit the same kind of signs and wonders that the apostles themselves exhibited. It was a unique time in God's revelation history. And indeed, this book of the Bible is called the Acts of the Apostles for good reason. And Paul says of himself in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, I persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of, of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. And so let no one presume today to be on the same level as the Apostle Paul in this regard. Well, may the St. Paul Union Church be now and always a learning church, devoting ourselves to the study of Scripture with a teachable attitude still toward the apostles' teaching and also toward present-day teachers who accurately and faithfully explain and apply God's written word. Second, God desires that the St. Paul Union Church be not only a learning church, but also a loving church. 
The concept of love, uh, agape, self-giving kind of love, is brought out with that word fellowship, which in Greek, probably most of you know, is koinonia. Koinonia, it's actually a word that is really more than just fellowship, but that's the closest English word that we have to translate it. But it is related also to the word common or koina in verse 44. And the commonality was both experiential, uh, that is, generous amounts of time together in the temple courts, Solomon's colonnade in the temple courts, perhaps some of you have been there, and also in their homes. So it was both corporate worship in, a, in the context of the temple and informal worship in the context of their, of their homes. And it was material, the sharing of possessions with one another so as to meet in one another's homes. A good example of this is the many donations that members of this church have made to the Antalya Inju Kilesisi for the bazaar that's going on as we speak, as I speak. Uh, this church gave all kinds of goods to the Antalya Inju Kilesisi um, so that they could sell these goods and raise funds for their many ministries, uh, both there and here. So this is one way where we shared our possessions uh, for the help of brothers and sisters in a fellowship across town, and that also meets here. And uh, this is just one small example, but I think if we took time, um, you know, all of you could give examples of how you've used your possessions perhaps uh, in the distant or recent past to help fellow believers. And uh, I think uh, there are innumerable examples, uh, really, throughout the history of the St. Paul Union Church. I know, at least I can give example after example. However, there always has been and there always will be room for improvement in this area. There always will be such room. All of us can grow in our love for one another and for other fellow believers who are in need. However, we must not go around making others feel guilty for not giving as much as we think that they should give. Some make this a ministry of their own, but it's inappropriate. This, of course, would be contrary to the spirit of the early church. Even the early Christians still had homes. They still had personal possessions. They still had the clothes upon their backs. And Ananias and Sapphira were not slain. They were not slain for withholding money from the sale of their land in Acts chapter 5, if you're familiar with that story. Rather, they were slain uh, for lying about the amount that they were giving to the church, to those in need. So let us be honest and genuine with one another, and let us do all we can to grow in simplicity, contentment, and generosity toward those who are in need. Let us grow in love for one another. Third, in addition 
to being a learning and a loving church, God desires that the St. Paul Union Church be a worshiping church. Be a worshiping church. This is indicated by that phrase in verse 42, the breaking of bread and the prayers. The breaking of bread could refer both to the Lord's Supper, as it probably refers to here, or to a meal in the home, uh, which probably it refers to in verse 46 of this passage. In any case, if you go either way, and and there again, uh, it indicates that probably, in a sense, both meanings are meant here, that the Lord's Supper was a a part of formal worship, usually in the context of, of corporate worship, and the eating of a meal in a home, well, that was worship too. And as people came together and ate together and maybe sang hymns of praise and and did more informal acts of worship with one another. The point is, these early Christians worshiped together in multifaceted ways. Worship pervaded their lives, but it was very much worship together in various sized groups, perhaps sometimes even with just two or three at a time. And the fruit of their worship was gladness. In verse 46, they were glad. They exuded joy. And again, we could talk more about this, but uh, my time is short. But this is another area in which we can certainly grow, friends. There is certainly room for growth here, too. I think it is safe to say that the St. Paul Union Church will never be in danger of worshiping too much. That's not a danger of ours. And indeed, Christ is worthy of all the worship that we can give. And fourth and finally, God desires that the St. Paul Union Church be not only a learning, loving, and worshiping church, but also a witnessing church a witnessing church. In verse 47, we read that they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In this verse, we have a clear reference to the church's mission, as well as a result of that mission. And please note that First off, the very first obvious thing here is that it's the Lord's doing. It's the Lord's doing. He brings people into the church, and it is he who saves them, not we ourselves. But God certainly does use the witness of his people, as Jesus himself made very clear in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where he said to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, his disciples were the direct recipients of uh, that commission, but there's a very real sense in which indirectly it applies to us all. We are all Christ's witnesses. We are all called to share with others Uh, the ways that he has worked in our lives. 
And again, if we took time to go through the room, I'm sure all of you could share ways that you have had the pleasure of serving as a witness for Christ. Usually it happens in unplanned ways. And uh, sometimes it's just a question you ask that prompts a question back and starts a conversation. Sometimes it's a simple act. Uh, I'm tempted to give examples, but I want to keep moving here. But uh, we can serve as witnesses in 10,000 ways. As I trust, we've sought to do. But uh, we are his witnesses, and I trust uh, that we will all understand this and go forth, as Carolyn said, and uh, share Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the fourth aspect of our church's purpose statement. So, friends, let us do this serve as witnesses for him more and more and more until the Lord adds to our number daily those who are being saved. One summer when I was in my early 20s, I worked for my brother John, who, like Hassan Akinjiolu, owned and operated a marine construction company. And toward the end of that summer, I got assigned to the crew of a tugboat for a very long uh, trip from Muskegon, Michigan, where I grew up, uh, to uh, way in the the Lake Erie. So it meant going way up around Michigan and through the Great Lakes and into Lake Erie. It was a long trip. And I uh, was overjoyed, really, to be part of the crew. They first put me uh, in the kitchen. I was the cook. But after the first meal, I was quickly reassigned. It was just one meal. It didn't turn out. uh, But uh, I was quickly reassigned to the deck. So I became a deckhand. Worked very, very hard. And ended up being the uh, assistant navigator and then the... uh, the second uh, helmsman, and uh, was able to steer this tug with not one but five barges. We were incredibly long through the St. Lawrence, uh, pardon me, the uh, St. Clair River, which is a very, very busy body of land uh, through uh, Detroit uh, in Toronto, Canada. Anyway, um, I learned, especially when I was behind the wheel of that tugboat, that tugs are incredibly powerful and nimble and maneuverable. And tugboats really don't focus on themselves. They're always focused on the other barges and ships they're trying to serve. Tugboats are like servants of the seas. And they are indispensable. They are really uh, indispensable. 
They're always assisting barges and ships, helping them to navigate in and out of harbors and to and from jobs that need to be done. So while the St. Paul Union Church is and must always be a learning, loving, worshiping, and witnessing church, according to Acts 2, 42 through 47. Let us also think of the St. Paul Union Church as a kind of ecclesiastical tugboat. The St. Paul Union Church tugboat serves Antalya, conducting search, rescue, and salvage operations for the sake of Christ the King, because lives matter to God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this honor. The local church is so often mis, or pardon me, underestimated. But Father, this is like a powerful, nimble, and when we go from here, maneuverable tugboat through which you could do wonders in this city. We pray, O Lord, that you would give us assignments, opportunities to witness that are well-designed for us and that turn out to be fruitful. And we pray, O Lord, that this church would not only be a channel of tremendous blessing to this city, but we pray, O Lord, that it would grow for Christ's sake and for your pleasure. It's, his, it's in his name that we pray. Amen.